What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Shelmer. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Monday, November 13th. A cold, ah, it's, it's warmer today, but it's a rainy Monday here in Pullman, Washington. Jam-packed show today. Some NFL stories. And honestly, college football was more interesting to me, so a lot of college football in the second segment of today's show. Um, some ratings, the, the rankings, the fallouts of some of the upsets from this weekend. And then I finally figured out how to fix Thursday Night Football. I'm going to share that with you guys later. I want to start with this, though. Man, I had a great weekend. I really did. I uh, went on a date. It was awesome. Great girl. Kind of she pushes back. Does not take uh, no for an answer. Very interesting. Really awesome person. Who I'm really excited to get to know more. Uh, but on this this coffee date, which I loved, um, this girl told me a story. Uh, there was once a guy, recently actually, who asked her, what are we? He had this question. He said, you know, we've been hanging out. We're friends. What are we? Are we, are we dating? Are we friends? Are we not friends? Are we more than friends? If you have to ask that, here's what I learned from this girl. If you have to ask, what are we? That's a problem. It's always a problem. If you are not sure what you are, that's an issue. Because clearly you would know, right? If you were with someone and you knew it was going well, you would know. You shouldn't have to ask. And if you have to ask, that's a problem. And there are two men in this position in the NFL right now where we have to ask, what are we? What are they? They're asking us. We're asking them. I'm not sure, but it's up in the air. What are they right now? Are they known commodities? Are they any good or are they not any good? The two men in that position are Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning, the Giants head coach and the Giants quarterback. The Giants are one and seven. They lost 31 to 21 this weekend to the San Francisco 49ers. And look, it's already over for Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo is going to get fired. It's just a matter of time. When will he get fired? Because he's not the guy. But what about Eli Manning? I'm very interested in Eli Manning. But before we talk about Eli's future, whether he will or will not stay in New York, we have to talk about the next coach. Who will be next in New York? Because there's a bunch of names getting thrown around. A bunch of names. Some of them are nonsense. Some of them are actually legitimate. And the bottom line is, honestly, there's, there's about eight or nine names, and I'm like, none of these guys really are that great. It's pretty clear that Sean McVay, and, uh, Sean McVay from the, with the LA Rams and Kyle Shanahan, the coach for the 49ers, the 49ers and the Rams got good coaches. Like, wow, they got good coaches. Because the names I'm seeing thrown around for the Giants head coaching job are like, oh, man, like the ones they actually have a chance to get. <laughs> They're, it's slim pickings, man. The NFL... There are not a lot of head coaches in the NFL or, or just in the, in the world in general. There are not a lot of guys who are legitimate, good NFL coaches. Here are some of the names. We have Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. He failed once uh, in Denver, but hey, he might have a chance. He might revitalize his career. It could work. I'm not saying it wouldn't work in New York. Uh, then we have Nick Saban, who's it's not going to happen. That's a joke. Nick Saban is too old. He loves Alabama. I think he's going to retire in Alabama. He's getting up there where he doesn't want to restart in the NFL. He's already, made, he's already tried the NFL once. didn't work. He's got a great thing going. I don't see Nick Saban leaving Alabama anytime soon. There's just no, no reason to. The next guy is John Gruden, which is another joke. It's like, guys, how many times do we have to say John Gruden isn't leaving the broadcast booth? He makes too much money. He's a better broadcaster now than he was ever a coach. John Gruden's a joke. John Gruden is not going back to coaching in the NFL. So Sean Payton. Sean Payton's name is getting thrown around. Sean Payton is currently the coach of the New Orleans Saints. He's a maybe. And that's what's interesting about Sean Payton. For a guy who's going to be an NFL, or sorry, a playoff 
coach. A coach whose team is going to the playoffs, Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints. It's kind of weird that we were able to say he might leave. Because if we, if we say Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll isn't leaving Seattle. Mike McCarthy, he's not leaving Green Bay. Bill O'Brien's not leaving the Texans, unless they fire him. But he, he wouldn't choose to leave. Sean Payton's a unique situation because Sean Payton, we're like, eh, he's got an old quarterback. He hasn't won a ton. He's kind of finally turning it around. Maybe he should strike while the iron is hot and get another job. So Sean Payton could go to uh, New York. I don't think he will. I think he's pretty married to Drew Brees. And I think he's invested in the community in New Orleans. But Sean Payton's a maybe. He could go to the New York Giants. Uh, Terrell Austin, he's the Lions' current defensive coordinator. His name's getting thrown around a lot. Like I guess he's the next the next coordinator that needs to get a job. I don't I don't know why. I don't know what he's done. Um, I guess he's got good numbers. I don't really know. But everyone feels like the Lions' defensive coordinator Terrell Austin now needs to be head coach. I'm also seeing names like Steve Spagnolo. Spagnuolo, Spagnolo, I don't know. Mike Smith. There's a lot of names, and there's really not a lot of possibilities. A lot of guys that I'm like, what? Because the truth is, there just aren't a lot of guys in the world who can coach in the NFL. Today, earlier today, the Giants released a press release um, that they will not fire Ben McAdoo midseason. Nah, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to fire Ben McAdoo midseason. But not because the Giants said they wouldn't. In fact, historically, when a team says we're not going to fire him, usually they get fired. But here's why Ben McAdoo will stick around the rest of this season. He's going to get fired at the end of this season. There's no way he sticks around. But he will not get fired midseason by the Giants. First of all, firing a coach midseason is childish. Look at the guys who did that. Al Davis, uh... I can't think of other coaches, but the organizations that fire coaches midseason are usually childish. The Giants are not childish. The Giants are like the regal, egalitarian family. I don't know if they use that word properly. They're the the high-class family in the NFL. The Giants are not going to do something emotional and childish. They use their logic. They're a good organization. Firing Ben McAdoo only puts the Giants in further disarray. What are you going to do? What are you going to save your season? No, you're not. You're one in seven. You're not going to fix anything by fire. In fact, it helps nothing to fire Ben McAdoo right now. The only reason you would fire Ben McAdoo midseason is if he was doing something wrong or hurting a player or there was some, some big reason where it's like, we have to get him out now. It's a bad situation. We need to get rid of him now. Or if the players are saying, we won't play unless Ben McAdoo gets fired. Sure, then maybe. But... What do you solve by firing Ben McAdoo right now? Nothing. So Ben McAdoo is going to stick around the rest of this year. Not to mention, do you guys remember a couple years ago, uh, the suck for luck campaign? When teams were, we thought teams were tanking or not trying to win in order so so that they could get Andrew Luck. I, I made a joke when the Vikings drafted Christian Ponder. I said, ponder this. The Giants are trying to suck for, uh, the, the Vikings are trying to suck for luck. Well, maybe suck for Sam Darnold is a thing. Maybe people are trying to lose games or not trying to win as much as they could to get Sam Darnold. It's one of the, I'm very interested, will Jimmy Garoppolo ever play for the 49ers? Because if he's really that good, why? I mean, you you get him injured and uh, they'll get a better draft pick if he doesn't play. And Ben McAdoo's doing a great job in New York, ruining their season on their own. Looks like they're already headed to getting Sam Darnold. Unless the Cleveland Browns, I don't know. I don't know, but they're going to get a high draft pick. They're going to be in a position to get another quarterback. 
if they continue on the trajectory that they are on. So why even fight? Why try to fix the season? Let the Giants have a terrible record and get a quarterback next offseason. But the key to the next coach for the Giants, is he an offensive coach or a defensive coach? And does he want Eli Manning? If you hire a defensive coach, you had better keep Eli Manning. Defensive-oriented head coaches always, always struggle with young quarterbacks. It's a fact. I've seen it over and over and over again. Look at Mitch Trubisky this year. John Fox is a defensive-minded head coach for the Chicago Bears. They're not really giving Mitch Trubisky much of a chance. They're not, they don't trust him. They're very limited in their offense. I mean, look at Jared Goff last season. Jared Goff with Jeff Fisher was very limited and really was hindered by Jeff Fisher's presence because Jeff Fisher didn't know how to handle Jared Goff. You don't want a defensive coach to have a young rookie quarterback. A defensive coach could come in with Eli Manning and do well because Eli Manning offers you stability on offense. At least the quarterback's taken care of. I can worry about the defense, build our defense, have an old veteran quarterback who's pretty good, take care of things. Now, if the Giants hire an offensive coach, the question is, does this guy want Eli Manning? Sean Payton revitalized and resurrected Drew Brees' career down in New Orleans. So I, I think he would look at Eli Manning and say, look, it's the same exact situation. Let me revitalize Eli Manning's career. Josh McDaniels, the Patriots' offensive coordinator. I don't think there's a world, uh, there's a, there's a, I don't think he would make that decision. I don't think that Josh McDaniels, the Patriots' offensive coordinator, would go into New York and say, I don't want to work with Eli Manning. There's too much respect. Eli Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And his numbers have not dropped off that much this year. I get it. He's going, he's getting towards the end of his lifespan. I understand. I'm very aware of that. But right now, Eli Manning's stats actually have not declined that much. He has a 64.6% completion percentage and really hasn't tapered off. He's basically the same player he is every year. He's on track to having the same stats he's had the last three years in a row. Now, an interesting wrinkle is Sam Darnold would go to the Giants. I've made this argument. Sam Darnold should not leave USC. To play for the Browns. You want to go to a good organization. If you're going to leave college early. Make sure you leave college for the right job. Like I wouldn't leave college for a job setting up lights. Doing something I don't actually want to do for a living. You want to play for the Giants. That's a well run. Classy. Mature. Organization. With good bosses and good ownership. The Giants organization. I know they're 1-7. I know Ben McAdoo looks like a giant terrible nightmare. But the Giants are a well and esteemed, a well-run and esteemed organization, and Sam Darnold would want to play for them. So if they got the number one pick, Sam Darnold, bam, you're going to the Giants. I believe that. I really do. So there's that interesting wrinkle. If they get a young offensive coach who doesn't want Eli Manning, and they have a chance at Sam Darnold, yeah, get rid of Eli. But otherwise, you got to hang on to Eli. Eli Manning has not deteriorated as much as everyone seems to think. The Giants are 1-7. Eli Manning's playing. He's the same player every year. He is on track to have the same numbers. So we'll see what happens. Ben McAdoo's out. 
And based on who they hired next as the Giants head coach, Eli Manning could be gone, but I think it's pretty unlikely Eli Manning will leave the Giants organization. Another interesting, you know, the Giants, the 49ers beat the Giants. And I am so happy for the 49ers. Oh my goodness. The 49ers got their first win of the season. I love what they're doing. They're really building a culture there. Kyle Shanahan's fantastic. John Lynch, the general manager, is really doing cool things. I'm so excited. I have a topic on Wednesday. I'm really excited. Should Jimmy Garoppolo play it all this season? I'm going to ask that question. I didn't want to dive into it this week. It was pretty jam-packed with the show. But right now, I mean, C.J. Beathard, the rookie quarterback for the 49ers, looks pretty good. He had this deep ball to Marquise Goodwin. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I see a lot of, I, I'm, I think pretty highly of myself. I think I can throw a ball pretty well. And I watch some NFL throws. I'm like, I could make that throw. And then I watch C.J. Beathard throw this 83-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Goodwin. And I was like, I can't make that throw. I, I really can't. I know, I know I played in college a little bit. That's impossible. I, I can't throw the ball that far in the air. It was unbelievable. It, it was a deep ball. He hit him in stride 60 yards. I was like, wow, that is an NFL throw. So I'm excited for the future of the 49ers. I want to touch on Marquise Goodwin, by the way. Marquise Goodwin lost his son early Sunday morning. Uh, they had to deliver him prematurely, and his son died. It was very sad. And Marquise Goodwin played in that game, not only played in the game, Got the first win of the year and had an 83-yard touchdown pass. The guts of that performance. That's a performance I want to remember for a long time. Because we talk about Brett Favre playing after his dad dies. And uh, I, we've seen all these instances throughout the NFL where something, some kind of tragedy happens. And an NFL player steps up and plays the next day or the next week. Marquise Goodwin this weekend, this is one of those moments where you're like, that's really impressive. I admire you. Not only, you know, Brett Favre's dad died earlier in the week or whatever it was. <laughs> Marquise Goodwin's son died that morning, which means he was up at 5.30 in the morning holding his son who wasn't breathing. And then hours later played in an NFL football game. What guts. I, I applaud you. I commend you. That's incredible. I really, really respect Marquise Goodwin for that. What a gutsy and, and tough performance. But I want to reiterate, I am very excited for the 49ers. They're playing tough. They have a good defense. I love, I love, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best up-and-coming young coaches. It's Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. They are in an arms race to see who's a better young coach. I, I like Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's dad. I think he's passed down some good stuff to Kyle Shanahan. And it even seems like the 49ers have figured out the quarterback spot. So I'm very excited for the future of the 49ers. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'm going to take a short break, but when I return, Georgia lost, Miami won, and one man got the last laugh. College football playoff discussion. I want to talk about who's going to make it in, who won't. And later, I figured out how to fix Thursday night football. I'm excited to share that. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Leave us, leave me a rating. If you would give me a rating, that'd be awesome. And share this with your friends. I know you have friends who listen to podcasts. Tell them, hey, I listen to this podcast, Strong Opinion Sports. There's a goofy dude. He's funny looking, has kind of a weird voice, but he's really intelligent, knows sports. And I'm making it all up. But please tell your friends about this show. I love what I do. I'm very passionate about it. And I really appreciate you listening. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'll be right back. 
I've told this story before, but in high school, I switched schools. I had a coach who said, you're too small, you're never going to play in college, and you're not good enough to play on varsity this year. I said, fine. You don't believe in me, I'm going to leave. And I went to another high school, a better high school, um, where I actually won games. I made the playoffs. I set school records. It was really fun. They went 0-10. I made the playoffs. I won more games in one season than I ever had in my entire life in that program. And it felt so good. Sweet victory. Not only did I get the last laugh, we played them in summer ball, passing league the next season, and torched them. I had one incompletion the entire day. It was unbelievable. It was really fun. Technically, I had no incompletions because I threw an interception. <laughs> so I was technically 20 for 20. Um, but I played in college, and it felt really good to say, look, this guy didn't believe in me, and I got the last laugh. I was the one who said, I believe in myself, and you were wrong, I was right. In 2015, Mark Richt was fired by Georgia. Even though he averaged 10 wins a season. University of Georgia fired Mark Richt. Emotionally. Because he could not beat Alabama. That was the, the feeling. was He'll never be able to get past Alabama. I just want to say I have news for Georgia. You're never going to get past Alabama. As long as Nick Saban is in Alabama, is in Tuscaloosa, Georgia will not get past Alabama. Nobody can in the SEC. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. I love Mark Richt. I'm excited for Mark Richt. So Mark Rick left. He got fired from Georgia and he went to University of Miami. And I remember talking with my dad about how, how dumb, when, when Mark Rick got fired, I remember telling my dad, Georgia is really dumb because Mark Rick averages 10 wins a season. He wins almost every year. He puts out a good product every year. His only stumble is he can't beat Alabama. But again, nobody can beat Alabama. <laughs> it's just, it's an unrealistic expectation. So uh, Mark Rick left. He got hired by, he probably had like five job offers the minute he got fired by Georgia. Mark Rick chose Miami. A better school, well, way better for recruiting. If, if, I'm a, if I'm a college football player, I'm like, uh, Georgia or Miami, Florida? I don't know. It's pretty tough, but I'm going to Miami. So he's better off now anyways. Better recruiting. Better state to live in. Man, I'd much rather live in Miami, Florida, than Athens, Georgia, let me tell you. But on Saturday, here's what happened on Saturday. Number one, Georgia lost to Auburn, 40 to 17. Number one ranked Georgia lost to Auburn, 40 to 17. Also on Saturday, number seven, Miami, who's coached by Mark Richt, who's undefeated, pummeled number three, Notre Dame, 41 to 8. It, it was like watching The U. You ever seen that documentary, the ESPN 30 for 30? That The U, the old Miami of old, just hitting guys all over the place, getting turnovers, playing with confidence and swagger. And the best part was Mark Richt got redemption. I know that feeling, Mark Richt. I know what it's like to prove to someone you were wrong about me. And man, does it feel good. I'm so happy for Mark Rick. It was awesome to see. And I'm so excited for Miami. Miami's 9-0. And their biggest game this season is on December 2nd. When they play at Clemson. Number 4 Clemson hosts number 2 Miami. That will, be, that will decide who wins the ACC. 
and who gets into the college football playoff. I am so excited for Mark Richt. I want to tip my cap. Uh, Sweet victory. Feels so good. (laughs) And man, I am so excited for Mark Richt. He's not only, in two years, he's turned around Miami football and built a powerhouse. And now Miami is a national powerhouse. It's incredible what happens when you are in a good geographic area where there are tons of good recruits and you have a competent, not only competent, Mark Richt is one of those, he's a great coach. He's a, he's a top 10 coach, maybe top five in college football. I haven't made a list, I don't know. But I would love to have Mark Richt as my head coach. He's a great coach. He averages 10 wins a year and does nothing but win football games consistently. So I'm happy for Mark Richt. He got redemption. And I'm excited. We, he may beat Clemson. I don't know that he will. But he may. He may just beat Clemson and get his team into the college football playoff. And that would be exciting. Let's talk about that college football playoff. It's pretty obvious to me how this is going to shake out. It's funny. I I said last week, I said Georgia is not better than Alabama. How could anybody believe Georgia is actually better than Alabama? (laughs) Guess who was right? I hate to say it, but I was right. Here's how it's going to all shake out. Alabama will get the number one seed in the college football playoff. They're going to be the number one ranked team. They're going to make it in. The second team to make it in will be the winner of Clemson or Miami. Whoever wins the ACC will get into the college football playoff. Then we'll have Oklahoma. They're going to win the Big 12. And then whoever wins the Big 10, whatever, whoever's left standing at the end of the Big 10 hurricane or wreckage, whatever you want to call it. Whoever wins the Big 10 will also get in. So we'll have Alabama, the winner of the ACC, Oklahoma, and the winner of the Big Ten. The Pac-12 is out. I'm sorry, but the Pac-12 will not get a spot in the college football playoff. You know, this weekend, UW lost. UW was their only chance. And UW lost again this weekend to Stanford. And the three teams that could win the Pac-12, UW, WSU, and USC, none of those teams will get in. USC ranking-wise has the best shot between uh, between those three teams, between UW, USC, and WSU. USC is actually, I think, ranked 10th. They have the best chance to possibly find a way in, but there's no way they get in over a Georgia or another team. The Pac-12 is out. Alabama is going to win the national championship again. Here's why. Hungry matters. I'm a very, I'm a small guy. 5'10", buck 75. If that, probably probably buck 65, let's be honest. Um, but I made it to play quarterback in college football. Felt good. It was exciting. And when I got there, so the reason I, I worked so hard to get there, I got up at 5 in the morning. I would do drills. I worked out twice a day. I ate as much food as I possibly could. I watched film. I did training. I did everything I could to get to college football. And I was driven by my old head coach saying, You'll never play college football because I moved. Co- if you listen to the last segment, you know that I switched schools uh, in high school. My, my first coach said, you'll never play college football. And I had that in the back of my head the entire time I was training in high school. But once I got there, once I got to college football, I wasn't hungry anymore. Because I didn't have what's next. I have nothing to work for. I mean, I'm sure I did on paper. Obviously, there were things I could have worked for. But that motivation I'd used for two and a half years, that voice in the back of my head suddenly was gone. I was like, uh-huh. I proved you wrong. I made it. I wasn't hungry anymore. Hungry matters. Alabama is the hungriest team in the NFL. They are motivated to win. Alabama lost last year to Clemson. 
a heartbreaker. Alabama wants to play Clemson again. They want redemption. Alabama desperately wants to play Alabama. Here's the truth. If Alabama was going to lose this season, it would have been this last Saturday. Alabama squeaked out a win. They escaped. They beat Mississippi State by seven points. That was their slip-up. It's not going to happen again for Alabama. Every team has one game of the year where they, you know, Ohio State got decimated by Iowa and Oklahoma, but every team has a game. They're allowed a game where they slip up. And the question is, can you survive your slip-up? Clemson lost to Syracuse. Who, I don't know who Miami's going to slip up to. Oklahoma slipped up and lost to Iowa State. Every team has a game where they, they don't show up. The game that Alabama didn't show up, they still won by seven points. That was their slip-up. That was the game. If you were going to beat Alabama, it was on Saturday. So Alabama's going to win it all. They have a chance now, and they will. I wish it was Ohio State. I really do. I'm probably crazy. I think Ohio State still has a chance. But I'm well aware Alabama is angry. They want redemption, and Alabama is going to come back and claim their throne and win the national championship. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. When I return, I found a way to fix Thursday Night Football. I'm very excited to share with you guys. Um, Who will win the Pac-12 championship? There's three teams in the race, and I have an opinion on who's going to win and who's not going to win. And I want to talk about the Monday Night Football game that's happening tonight. Please subscribe to this channel on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Strong Opinion Sports is everywhere. iTunes, SoundCloud. Find us on YouTube. I put videos of myself, my dumb, ugly self, talking about sports. And share this with your friends. Tell your friends about the show. If you enjoy this podcast, we're growing. We've plateaued a little bit, but I want to keep continuing to grow. So tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'll be right back. I figured out a solution on how I would fix Thursday night football. It's he- I'm going to be heavy on the notes. I want to get it right. But this all stems from Thursday night football when Richard Sherman got hurt. Last Thursday, Richard Sherman got hurt during Thursday night football, and it sparked a whole debate. Should Thursday night football be illegal? Is it should be be allowed? Why do we even do it? It's bad for player safety. So I said I'd look around. I'd I'd look at every argument, every side of the debate, and and find my ground. Where do I stand on this? Is Thursday night football safe? Should we remove it if it is safe, or if it's if we shouldn't remove it? How do we do it safely? I've determined that Thursday night football is a bad idea. We can't have Thursday night football the way it exists right now. It's not. It's not fair. You can't play a game on Sunday, have four games off, and be expected to play another game on Thursday. It's unsafe for NFL players. So I had a debate with my TA, Colin. Okay, Colin, what would you do? And I'm very excited. I'm going to have Colin on after Thanksgiving. He has a really good argument uh, for an eight-team college football playoff. So that's a teaser. We'll have Colin on after Thanksgiving. But I had a debate with Colin, and Colin presented to me how he would fix Thursday night football. So I took his idea, and I tweaked it slightly. And here's what I came up with. This is how I would fix Thursday night football. It starts with compromise. The NFL wants revenue. Thursday night football clearly is financially viable and financially good for them. So how do we leave the revenue of Thursday night football for the NFL and also take care of player safety? My answer to this is very, very simple. You only play Thursday night football games on weeks after buy games. So a team would play, they would have a bye week on week six of the NFL. So Sorry, excuse me. An NFL team would play on week five. They'd play on Sunday night, week five. 
Then on week six, they would take the week off. And on week seven, they would play a Thursday night football game. This would balance player safety and finances. We would, we would play our London games week one through four. Week five, the bye weeks would start. And then week six through 12, we'd have Thursday night football. It gets, it's more complicated than this. I'll get to it later. But I want to say this first. This would be beneficial because it would balance player safety and finances. There's more to it. I'll explain how I would take care of the finances. Because we're still missing about six weeks of games. How do we take care of the rest of the season we're missing for finances? But this would be good because players would now be safer. You wouldn't have a short break. In fact, it'd be a reward. An NFL player would play on Sunday one week, take a week off, then play on Thursday, and then play again the next Sunday. So they would actually have more time. They would have more rest before the game and more rest after the game. So if I'm an NFL player looking at this, I'm excited for Thursday Night Football because it gives me a long break between both games that I have to play on either Sunday. It's beneficial for everybody. Here's the issue. NFL bye weeks only happen weeks 5 through 11 because it doesn't make sense to take a break. You know, in the first four weeks of the season, why would you say, oh, let's take a break now? We just started. We don't need a week off. We're going to be tired week eight. Give us a bye week, week eight. And there aren't any bye weeks in the last five games of the season because that doesn't make sense either. We're almost to the end. Let's just finish. We should have taken our bye week a long time ago. So we still would be losing revenue. How do we compromise? How do we take care of this? How do we make up for the lost revenue of if we cut out eight weeks of Thursday Night Football, how do we miss up for lost revenue? Not to mention, if the Panthers and the Patriots both had a bye week and they play each other on the next Thursday, that's fine. That's great. But what about the other teams? Because it's not just two teams that take a bye week every week. There's often four, sometimes six teams at once. Here's what I would do. Every week there's a bye week. It's only four teams. You would play a game on Wednesday and a game on Thursday. It's still a reward. You're still excited. And the NFL can make up for lost revenue. A Wednesday night game would get, I would think would do well because there's nothing else happening on Wednesday night. If it's me, I want to watch football every night of the week until I'm sick of it. It couldn't hurt to try it. So what we would do this this way is we would make up for the lost revenue of cutting the first Thursday night football games of the year and the last Thursday night football games of the year. Because we'd be having two extra football games a week on different days where they're the primetime event of the day. And you could make revenue back that way. So it's good for players. I don't know if I'm making sense, but the players would have a longer break before Thursday Night Football and after Thursday Night Football. And if we were playing games on Wednesdays as well, you would also make up for lost revenue. It's a compromise. It's tough. I don't know if that made sense, but it's very tough to balance finance and safety. And that's the best way to do it. Only play Thursday Night Football games after a bye week and double up. Play a Thursday Night Football game and a Wednesday Night Football game to make up for lost revenue. That's how I would solve the issue of safety and Thursday Night Football. Hope that made sense. Hope you were able to follow. I don't know. That'll never, ever happen. But I think it's a good idea, and I wish it would happen because that's the best way to go forward. Because the way Thursday Night Football is currently constructed, it is unsafe. You cannot have guys taking four games off, four days off and playing another football game. It's not safe. It's not healthy. That's how injuries happen. Richard Sherman would have gotten injured anyways, but we need to do everything we can to manage player safety, especially the way the NFL is now with concussions, that narrative is already that the NFL is safe. So we want to get as far away from that unsafe narrative as possible. Okay. The Pac-12 is a very, very weird and complicated thing. 
and I'm not I'm not going to complicate it. I'm going to simplify everything cuz I'm hearing words like math, things like round robin, Stanford's football team. It's the Pac-12 is very simple. Only 3 teams have a chance to win the Pac-12 championship. USC, WSU, Washington State, and UW University of Washington. Washington State controls its own destiny. If Washington State wins out, they win the Pac-12. It's very simple. But here's the big problem for Washington State. If they beat UW, which I'm not convinced that WSU will beat UW in the Apple Cup. But if they do, they have to play USC again. WSU already got one over on USC. And USC is angry. USC wants revenge. And I'm not confident that a a vengeful USC would not beat WSU. I'm not going to call it a fluke, but it was definitely, they definitely got USC. It was a close game, a competitive game. I think if they play each other five out of ten times, I'm not sure USC, or uh, ten times, I'm not sure USC and WSU don't split that in half. So I think USC would beat WSU if they meet each other in the NFC, in the Pac-12 championship. Here's what's probably going to happen, though. University of Washington will beat WSU in the Apple Cup. Hey, go Cougs. I hope it doesn't happen. God, I hope it doesn't happen. I really hope WSU wins. But it's, it's likely that on next Saturday in Seattle, UW will beat WSU. So then we have the Pac-12 championship, USC and UW. And it will come down to USC has a better quarterback, where UW has a better coach and is more talented. USC has Sam Darnold against a good coach and a better, more talented roster. I'm picking UW to beat USC in the Pac-12 championship. That's what I think is going to happen. But Sam Darnold is magical. Maybe Sam Darnold can make something incredible happen. I wouldn't put it past him. Now, if Stanford somehow, by some miraculous way, gets in, USC will beat Stanford. So the only three teams that have a chance to win the Pac-12 are USC, WSU, and UW. Stanford has no chance. No one else in the South has a chance. I want WSU to win. Go Cougs. Um, But it's probably going to be UW. That's who I'm picking to win the Pac-12. Monday Night Football is very exciting. There's a big game tonight. The Dolphins play the Panthers. Uh, God, there's some good storylines this week. Monday Night Football hasn't been that good for me. I just, I can't get into it. I'm never that excited. They're never that good of games. This week has some good storylines. We have a weak AFC, so Miami still could, even though they're 4-4. and Miami could make the playoffs if Jay Cutler can bring them back. Jay Cutler could really leave a good stamp on his career. If he can finish this season strong and get the Dolphins to the playoffs, I mean, I'm never going to think of Jay Cutler as a great quarterback. But it'd be kind of cool. Hey, that's how he ended his career. He made it to the playoffs with Miami. That's a good story. I like that. Now, what's going to happen with Cam tonight? I don't know. Cam Newton's very erratic. He's all over the place. Are we going to get the brilliant, amazing Cam who's running all over the place making incredible plays? Or are we going to get Cam Newton, the sporadic mess who can't control his emotions? I have no idea. That's part of the fun of Cam Newton. I hate the guy. I'd never want him to be my quarterback. But Cam Newton's fun to watch because he's so unpredictable. We don't know what we're going to get. My name is Zach Schellner. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Please subscribe to my channel on YouTube. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Again, I put my videos on YouTube. And tell your friends about this show. If you enjoy Strong Opinion Sports, if you made it this far, God forbid... Tell your friends about the show because you clearly enjoyed it to some degree. Again, my name is Zach Schallmer. This has been Strong Opinion Sports for Monday, November 13th. Have a great day, everybody. Love you so much. Thank you for listening.